This is Changemakers with Katie Gore, finding the right solutions for the affordable housing community. Today's Changemaker is Stacy Spann, the Executive Director of the Housing Opportunities Commission in Montgomery County. The HOC acquires, owns, and leases property for moderate and low-income residents in the most populated county in the state of Maryland. Stacy is an adjunct professor at the University of Maryland and a member of the professional development faculty at the National Association of Housing and Redevelopment Organizations. Stacy, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Before we get into the Housing Opportunity Commission, I know you're located close to Washington, D.C., but tell our podcast listeners more about Montgomery County. It is one of the most extraordinary places to live or work in in the United States, and it's it's the gateway to our nation's capital. It's home to uh, incredible public schools and facilities, one of the most progressive uh, places in, in the United States perhaps the world, and around housing policy has been a leader in virtually every every component of it to include inclusionary zoning, uh, which has been super helpful uh, nationally in making sure there's, there's real housing equity in communities and um, the best opportunities to build, maintain, and support affordable housing measures. For people who don't know what inclusionary zoning means or why it's so important, give just an overview of that concept here. Happy to give some context. Uh, so it's inclusionary zoning. It's funny. There are all these sort of jargony phrases that are meant to, to better define something. Uh, but but the truth is they wind up confusing us all. And in the case of inclusionary zoning, it really is about taking the common sort of zoning notions like setbacks and height requirements and level of density, units per whatever the measurement uh, is, Inclusionary zoning sort of offers what else should we be including in that? In the case of Montgomery County, it happens to be uh, moderately priced dwelling units. What that means is that, that they're units that are affordable to folks who are roughly at 60, 65% of area median on a for sale basis or on a, on a rental basis. And so those are automatically included in zones where, in residential zones where there's construction or development of, of new housing, whether it's rental or for sale. And most people would think, you know, isn't that already happening? Or why do you have to advocate for that? <laughs> right? Yes. So what what's going on in that space? Why, why advocate indeed? And so this gets us to the crux of uh, what you want your communities to look like and who they support. And so I think it's, it's often easier if a developer purchases a, a swath of, of property and, and then goes to develop on it housing, whether it's for sale or rental, that developer often believes that they ought to be able to rent it to whomever or sell it to whomever they'd like. In most cases, there's a profit motive. And so inclusionary zoning in particular takes that profit motive and says, all right, there are other zoning requirements anyway that you have to do in order to keep the relative value of a community up to make sure that it's not overcrowded or overbuilt, uh, there's not misuse of resources, and that it fits appropriately in our community. In our case in Montgomery County, that should include affordable housing. That has to be one of those values. And so when you include it in zoning and you don't make it optional, then developers are compelled to do it. And it also becomes, over time, part of how you're to do housing business in uh, in a particular space. It's, it's critically important because, but for that, 
you would often see that the, the most desirable areas with the best public schools run over by persons who are of incredibly high income without any inclusivity or any equity around housing opportunities for persons who happen to make less money. You know, on this podcast, we've been talking a lot about the housing crisis, and there's data that shows that there's about a shortage of more than 7 million affordable homes. And that sounds like Montgomery County is also experiencing that same shortage. And so with a blend of development and inclusionary zoning, it sounds like you're making headway in that space. How many homes and residents are you managing? Well, so a couple things. First, I want to I wanna first recognize all the families and individuals who have, who have lost folks in this, uh, in this pandemic and, and note that we're aware that these situations are exacerbated by the housing crisis that, that folks have been living through for some time. And even in this area, as progressive as, as it is, and, and given the, the special location, what we have to note most is that people want to be here. Regardless of, of income or, or race or preference, people want to be here. And so it's incumbent upon us to figure out ways to make this community whole and ensure that there are equitable opportunities uh, for, for everyone. And so we are having a significant shortage ourselves, not only in, in this county, but in this region. You know, I think, unfortunately, that's going to be exacerbated as uh, we start to see uh, really strong economic headwinds. Uh, in terms of where we are, our operating budget, our annual operating budget, it's uh, just over $250 million. Um, and we own somewhere around um, 8,200 housing units in this county. We're talking about a 500 square mile county, some of the most expensive and desired real estate in our nation. And the median household income is just, just south of $110,000. What that means is that um, a family who is struggling without resources has a very difficult time finding for sale opportunities or rental opportunities here in this in this county. It's it's as it's home to some of the premier assets in our in our nation. And so it's 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 even more important that we continue to find new tools, push the envelope as much as we can to develop the best communities we can, and to maintain a level of affordability. And at the same time, make sure that they're incredibly amenity rich and they're uh, widely community connected. You know, you've got a fantastic blend of community development, affordable housing, economic development with everything you're doing there in HOC. I know you've been quoted as saying that you intend to develop, manage and own a world class community in your space. How do you define a world class community? Well, I, I think first it's, it's places where everyone wants to live. And so you imagine everything about your current domicile and figure out what is it that makes it special. And yes, there are amenities internal to the actual housing unit itself that make it desirable. The, the design components make them desirable. But there are also, uh, it's the connectivity to the broader set of assets that community offers, whether those are recreation or educational, whether it's transit or proximity to, to job opportunities or higher education. And so this county, because it's it, of where it's situated, has all of those. And so the, the goal is, how do you take that, combine it with world-class design, combine it with those services that are so important in keeping people housed, and then also those services and, and goods that are helping families and individuals meet their, their greatest potential, and then put it all together in what winds up hitting folks most at, at, at a housing unit, where they, where they wake up in the morning, lay their heads at night. 
You know, some of the piece of, you know, what you're saying is not just the design, the layout, the amenities, but there's also a component to what's going on within the unit. And I know HOC, a few months ago, you guys launched a home ownership assistance fund. I think it was a million dollars in funding. How has that progressed? I'm glad you asked the question. So we, you know, this is a, it's, it's an interesting time. So we launched it right at uh, probably the first quarter of COVID. And the funding source is federal money, CARES Act funding. We had, we were oversubscribed. It, it really can serve uh, individuals at about 1,500 total payout. And so we estimated it, can, it could serve somewhere around 994 folks. And we tried to work to advertise it and ensure that we had paper applications, but also that folks could apply electronically, ensuring that there was equity every step of the way. What I'll tell you is we were dismayed to learn that first application required so much information that folks wound up submitting mostly incomplete applications, which allowed us to pay out just a a meager amount. And so we went back, retooled it, skinned down the application. And so we have just uh, recently done the sort of blind lottery to identify those uh, 900, call it 94 applications uh, that would be able to buy for those for the funds. Uh, and so we're, you know, we're content, we're processing them at, at this moment. It's, as I said, a, a sleeker, much more simplified application. And our expectation is that by the time we get well into fall here, we will start to send out those checks to, to support families and keep them housed. And, you know, home ownership to me is such an important link for economic sustainability, economic advancement. But I think in the area that you're in, there's some complication because, you know, there's the rental market, you know, there's the pricing. Um, But tell us why you are committed to home ownership being part of that menu of options for people in Montgomery County. I really appreciate that question. I'm so happy you asked it. It's it's, it's interesting. Um, Generally, when folks think about an organization like ours, they are thinking only about the rental component of it. And so we actually have, for quite some time, a few decades at this point, run a single family purchase program as well. And we do that with a number of partners, private institutions, county government, uh, state government, and, and beyond. For us, our goal, we, you know, we only do three things. We get people housed, we keep them housed, and we help them reach their fullest potential. We don't have a bias for rental or for sale. We want people housed well. We want them supported while they're housed. And we want those families, and, and in particular, the, the young learners uh, within the, the household to really take that, that moonshot into what their futures are going to be. And so that, what that requires is us to take away, uh, as much as we can, housing insecurity. Forcing us to keep the, the families that we're serving at the center of our result, we then have to migrate toward whatever the tools are around for sale housing or rental housing. And so in this particular case, we work incredibly hard to make sure that there's down payment assistance. There are tools to to ensure that folks um, have the appropriate mindset around housing and they understand precisely what that mortgage means every month and, and the responsibility of maintaining the home. So we're in it with customers as much as we possibly can be. And home ownership is on that spectrum. So it's not sufficient to just offer folks the sort of entry-level rental housing. We should also be helping those families aspire to to home ownership. And that's part of of the dream of living in 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 these United States 
Uh, it's, it's one of the dreams of living in this particular area and we support it. That's great to hear. But hang on, Stacey, because I want to take a break. But coming up in part two of my interview with Stacey Spann, the executive director of the Housing Opportunities Commission of Montgomery County, Stacey talks about how his upbringing fuels his work today. I think it, I think it comes down to what kind of person you want to be. I always want to be of service. I don't know that I require anyone to know anything about me other than I truly want to ensure that I'm having an impact on our community that uplifts folks, supports them, and pushes toward a, a better tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Changemakers with Katie Gore. To find out more about Katie, go to quadel.com. That's Q-U-A-D-E-L.com. This has been a production of Forbes Books Radio.